Scripture reading this morning is uh, based on the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 16 through 23, and you will find it on page 1054 of your Pew Bibles. That's John 5, 16 through 23. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Father does not, sorry, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story in John's gospel and how even though it comes from a completely different culture than we're familiar with, a context that is so far removed from us that it speaks to our lives even today. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear you speaking through your word. We pray that we would have hearts open to being transformed by it. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Bad news at the start. Sermon is good news, but bad news at the start. It is the last long weekend of summer. And I'm sorry about that. I can't change it. But I'm glad that you're here with us, that you're here this morning with us. And with this last long weekend of summer, it signals for us the end of the kind of rest that the summer offers to us. The slower pace maybe at our offices, the respite of a quieter semester at school if we took courses at all, or a summer vacation free to travel or just to explore all the goodness that this city has to offer. And on a weekend like this Labor Day weekend, a holiday that's set aside to mark the contributions of organized labor and unions to our history as a society, I think it should also bring to mind the sometimes complicated relationships we have with our work. The reality of this holiday is that the five-day work week has not always existed. That Paid overtime has not always existed. Laws against child labor and non-discrimination or even a minimum wage have not always protected the most vulnerable among us 
work, I'm sorry to say, has not always been good. Even important work has sometimes been exploitative. And so even as we mark all these progressions we've made as a society, all these changes we've made, we should also mark the changes that have yet to be made of people still not completely protected, of temporary foreign workers and what justice might look like for them, of the glass ceiling, of creeping working hours and unpaid overtime that even professionals in our city today wrestle with and try to figure out that delicate but all-important work-life balance. Our relationship with work, we must admit, remains complicated. Of course, I suspect that some of us in this room love our work. Some in this room think of their work and they're driven about it. They're passionate about it. They feel especially called to the work that they're doing right now. While for others of us, I suspect that it's true that our work really is laborious. Perhaps it's overly taxing on our bodies. Maybe it's even unsafe work. Or it's just that daily grind of the same thing over and over and over again with no end in sight. Some of the, in this room might be ambitious. And for you, your current working environment is just one step in that long process toward the goal that you're looking for. And still others I know have retired and been wrestling with and figuring out what work looks like and what new work is available to them in these years that have followed retirement. Still others are unemployed or underemployed or fighting for status in Canada to work again in this country. All of them longing for something that seems to elude them at every turn. And whatever the kind of relationship you have with your work, it's unquestionable that work remains important in our lives. Whether or not we earn money for what we do, some form of work is probably how we spend most of our waking hours. It keeps us occupied and healthy. It can give us purpose and an important sense of accomplishment. Work matters. That's why we have this holiday to mark and reflect upon how work influences all the other aspects of our lives. And it's this deep belief that our work matters that is the reason why we've been engaging in the faith and work conversations here at Knox over the last year. Because something that takes up so much of our time can't exist in a vacuum apart from our faith. Those two things have to be in conversation with each other, and it's our hope that we might be able to see those things as not two distinct areas of life, but increasingly as one and the same. The Bible is not silent on the topic of our work. I think it'd be more remarkable if it was, if something that took up so much of people's time was just missing from the Bible, but rather it's featured very early on. In the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, in the first chapter of that first book in the Bible, work features a prominent role. God gives human beings the instructions of work, to have families and raise them, to cultivate the earth so that it reaches its fullest potential, to care for the well-being of every living creature that God has made. God creates people to join God in God's work in creation. Work is a part of why all of us were made. But if we were made for work, why can it feel so terrible? Why do our bodies deteriorate under the pressure of physical labor? 
Why can we feel trapped in our office cubicles? Where is the goodness of God in these realities? And I'm afraid we need only read a couple of chapters further into that first book of the Bible to have our answer. In Genesis chapter 3, after humanity has disobeyed God, we see that the curse of sin, the repercussions for the kind of disordered world that we chose, is not that we have to work. It's not that Adam has to till the ground. That was always going to be the case. But now it's that our work will be toilsome, that it will be difficult for Adam to till the ground. That when we want to harvest grapes, instead the earth will produce thorns and thistles. That it's not the kind of work we were called to do. It's difficult and sometimes painful. Good and fruitful work is a blessing from God. I'm sure many of us have experienced that already. But the reality of toilsome, troublesome, even painful work is the result of a world where we chose that we didn't really want to work alongside God, that we wanted to work without God's help. And in this in-between time, while we wait for God to make all things new again, I'm sure we've all experienced a bit of both of those realities, the blessing and the curse of work. In today's reading from John 5, we catch up with Jesus in the midst of a controversy about work, of all things. In the part right before what we had read for us this morning, Jesus has healed a man, but he did that work on the Sabbath. This is controversial stuff. It was kind of union rules for the Jewish people in that time that you couldn't work on the Sabbath. There was some understanding, of course, that if your animal was going to die, you could water it. Or if you fell into a pit, you could climb out of it. Just life and death stuff. But this man had been lame and laying by this pool for 38 years. What was one more day going to mean for him? Surely Jesus could have just waited and did this work on any other working day. And assuming we could overlook Jesus healing this man, to make matters that much work, Jesus, worse, Jesus tells this man to do some work too. Jesus tells this man who he's just healed to pick up his mat and to leave it and take it with him when he leaves. You and I, we read this story and we're just impressed that a man has been healed after 38 years of not walking anywhere. But the religious officials of the day, they see this story in front of them and they're not very concerned about the walking so much as the carrying the work that Jesus has called this man to do. And so they go to Jesus, and this is where our reading began. The problem they have with Jesus is that he's working and telling somebody else to work as well. And I love this passage so much because knowing that their problem with him is his work and that he told others to work as well, Jesus doesn't really evade the question like he does in similar stories in other Gospels. In John's Gospel, I like to imagine a little bit of sass in Jesus' voice. It's probably just because I would say it with a little bit of sass if it were me. But Jesus says, the problem is if I'm working or not. Well, my father is still working. So yes, I'm still working too. This has just made matters worse. This has not helped the situation at all. Not only has he not denied it, he's called God his father. But Jesus is more patient than I am. And he goes on to explain the kind of deep relationship he has with this father. How he has seen what God is doing and having seen the work God does, 
that's the work he does too. In fact, that the father desires that the son should be honored in the same way the father is. Jesus understands the work of God. Jesus is living out and working out, even on the Sabbath, God's good work, come whatever troubles may. And Jesus does experience plenty of trouble in his work. So not only does Jesus understand work in God's ways, we can see that Jesus understands the difficulty of work in our ways as well. Jesus understands our difficulties. He heals a man that's been lame for 38 years, and people literally want to kill him for it. That's a bad day at the office. We've all felt this kind of ungratefulness for our work. The toils of work we're familiar with, Jesus is also familiar with. As good and fruitful as his life was, it was hard. He heals 10 men of leprosy and only one returns to say thanks. Jesus becomes friends with 12 strangers, becomes their teacher and their mentor, only to be betrayed by one of them, to have his three closest friends in this group fall asleep while he is weeping in prayer to have another deny him, and finally only have one present with him in his hour of deepest need. Jesus was involved in some difficult, often thankless, frequently lonely work. Work that he was committed to through the thorns and the thistles because he saw its goodness in his Father's love, because he was committed to his love for those he served and his devotion to the Father. Jesus sees that the Father heals and makes whole, and Jesus commits his earthly ministry to healing and setting things right, setting all kinds of things right. Religious hypocrisy is called out and corrected. Predatory lending is addressed. Praying on the poor and marginalized in one story is answered with a whip. Women are recognized as the image bearers of God that they are. Jesus does God's work in this world because he saw the Father doing it first, and he does nothing apart from the Father. Jesus, it turns out, is still working. But I think the most interesting thing in today's reading for me isn't just that Jesus may have crossed a little bit of a line working on the Sabbath, but rather it's that he invited somebody else to do the same thing, And then he defends that man's actions. Jesus may be God and as Lord of the Sabbath, he may get around some of those extra rules the religious people put up for everyone else. But we can say with certainty that this man at the poolside is not the Son of God, is not the Lord of the Sabbath, and yet Jesus invites him into this work as well. Jesus invites him into work, into good work, even on the Sabbath when nobody else dared work at all. Jesus invites this man into being made well and not only rejoicing in his healing, but in participating and leaving the mark of his healing on the place he'd occupied for so many years by moving that mat himself. Jesus invites this sick man into work into the Father's work, and in his obedience, the newly healed man brings glory to Jesus, the Son of God, even as Jesus brings glory to his Father. And Jesus spells this out for us and for those who are listening. Jesus does what the Father does 
but the Father wants the Son to be honored as well. And in listening to Jesus, in obeying him, trusting him, working with him, this man honored the Son, and in so doing, honored the Father himself as well. Jesus invites us all to join in the Father's work. We may be asked, as we read some of the apostles being asked, to heal people, to offer Jesus healing in Jesus' name, miraculously or professionally as caregivers of all sorts. Healing may be our calling. We may be asked to teach others as Jesus did, even when they don't appreciate it. I know I haven't always appreciated my teachers. It can be thankless work, but good work that honors God. But we may also just be asked to pick up our mats as Jesus does some work in us. There is good and holy work that God is inviting us to do. But that doesn't mean it will be easy work or that the thorns and thistles of life will suddenly go away. Rather, it means that this work will be honoring to Jesus. And in honoring Jesus, it will be honoring to his Father. And it will be inviting and welcoming us into that kind of deep loving and trusting relationship that Jesus himself experiences with God, of honoring each other, that we will find rest even on our most difficult days and joy in the midst of our toil. I should note that Jesus isn't condoning workaholism here. He isn't condoning the idolatry of work for work's sake. He's saying, work with me, work with God, do what I invite you into, and in this you will find rest for your souls. In this kind of good work, we will witness firsthand how God is restoring the world how the disordered ways of sin, so evident in the places of our work, are being undone, being undone by our hands and our voices, and being undone by the unrelenting and persistent movement of God's Spirit to renew this creation that God loves so well. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech six months before he was assassinated and in that speech, he wrote and said, if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metropolitan Opera. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great sweet street sweeper who swept his job so well. There is a great tradition in the Reformed churches that Dr. King was referring to that talks about how our work is our worship. And I know that's easy for someone entering the clergy to say. But what Dr. King is pointing to is the reality that it's true for all of us. It's true for Michelangelo, it's true for Shakespeare, it's true for street sweepers there is something remarkably worshipful in our work. That any task done to God's glory, done in God's invitation and calling, and done well, is an act of worship to the God who created us and invited us in to doing that work. The reality of the story we read today is that Jesus says he was honored by the simplest and most humble of actions. It was unpaid, 
It offered no benefit to Jesus. It earned the rebuke of the religious elite. It wasn't easy work, but it was done in obedience and trust. A man who was sick picked up his mat when he was healed. If that action, that little piece of work, brought Jesus honor, why should we think that our work should be any different? Whatever the work we're in at the moment, Jesus is honored as we find ways to join in his Father's work. No matter how insignificant we feel that work may be in this moment. And no matter the toil we may experience for doing it. Yes, it's easy to point to doctors and lawyers as joining God in his work. As seeking justice and healing in this world. But it's harder and more important to point to Walmart greeters and say that in the hospitality and caring that they offer to perfect strangers, they are the image of Jesus doing the work of the Father. It's harder to point to street sweepers and to say that they are joining in God's work because they have a vision of a city with foundations, a shining new Jerusalem where God himself will find his home. So are you doing the work of the Father in your daily work, whatever it may be, if you do it well, if you do it to God's glory, and if you do it knowing that Jesus invites you to do it for your good. Jesus knows the suffering of toilsome work, and the promises that he makes to us is that he receives those who honor him into his kingdom. Jesus promises that our work will not be in vain, that even the small tasks, the things that earn us no gratitude, no appreciation, no recognition, no real sense of accomplishment, will be valued by his Father, in whom we will find rest for our souls. So church, may we experience this joy of the Lord, the joy of the Father who is still working to this day, working in our lives and working in this world, May we experience the joy of Jesus Christ, the Son, who sees the work of the Father and invites us to join him in it. May we experience the joy of the Spirit who empowers and enables you to persevere in all good work to the glory and honor of God, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. Loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have been at work in creation since the foundation of the world. You didn't set things in motion and step back, but you've been intimately and deeply involved in calling each thing into life and into work and to prospering for your glory. And so this morning, we lay the work of our lives at your feet, knowing that you made us as workers in your image, and confessing to you that sometimes it is hard to see your hands in our offices, in our homes, in the work that occupies so much of our time. We pray, dear Lord, that you would give us eyes to see how our work is your work. 
that you would give us faith to participate in this good work, even when it's difficult and toilsome, even when it seems meaningless and fruitless to us. God, increase our faith. Give us boldness to know the work of the Father, to participate in the work of the Son, to bring honor to you in all that we do. We pray these things in your name and for your sake. Amen.